Our scripture reading today is taken from the 32nd chapter of Genesis, verses 22 through 31. The same night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then the man said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So the man said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But the man said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there the man blessed Jacob. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon Jacob as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket, because the man struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. From the time Jacob was conceived in his mother Rebekah's womb, he lived in conflict with nearly everyone in his immediate circle, including his twin brother Esau. The Genesis narrator tells us that Jacob and Esau struggled together within their mother's womb, leading her to cry out to God even before their birth, If it is to be this way, why do I live? To which God answered, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. According to this answer, Jacob was destined to live in conflict, to live in division with others. At birth, his brother Esau came out first, but Jacob followed immediately, gripping his brother's heel as they emerged from the birth canal. As they grew older, the divisions between them widened, 
As Esau was a hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob a quiet man living in tents, studying perhaps, but perhaps plotting as well, plotting the destiny that he, the younger, will be served by the elder. The parents divided over their children as well. Rebecca favored Jacob and Isaac favored Esau. Jacob soon stole his birthright from Esau and later colluded with Rebekah to trick Isaac into blessing Jacob rather than Esau, who as firstborn was caught in the new winds blowing in which the elder shall serve the younger. Because a blessing once bestowed is irrevocable, And because Esau is out to kill him in revenge, Jacob fled for his life and went to live with his mother's brother Laban in another country called Canaan. True to form, Jacob and Laban soon found themselves enmeshed in conflict. Jacob fought with Laban over which of Laban's daughters Jacob would marry and when the marriages would occur. He fought with Laban over the sheep and goat business they shared. Jacob fought as well with Laban's sons, his cousins-in-law, who as heirs of the sheep and goat business had a vested interest in its prosperity and their succession to its ownership. Their conflict lasted over 20 years. And with uncharacteristic, almost British understatement, the narrator says, And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him as favorably as he did before. Yet it was only after the Lord spoke to to Jacob that Jacob decided to return home to Israel. So after years of conflict with nearly everyone in his life, conflict in which Jacob had often been the instigator, returning home to Israel meant facing the brother whom he had twice cheated and who had tried to kill him in response. Yet Jacob returns at the command of the Lord, seeking to find favor with his brother Esau, hoping against hope to reconcile. That is where our story for today picks up. Jacob is on one side of the river, having sent a lavish peace offering of livestock to Esau. And Esau is on the other side of the river, surrounded by 400 troops he has brought in an expected conflagration with Jacob. Jacob sends his family and his servants and his goods to safety. He makes camp for the night by himself and awaits Esau's response to his gifts. Jacob is left alone. And a man wrestles with him until daybreak. When the man sees that he does not prevail against Jacob, he strikes Jacob on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip is put out of joint as he wrestles with the man. 
Then the man says, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. But the man says to him, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. And then the man says, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asks him, please tell me your name. But the man says, why is it that you ask my name? And there the man blesses Jacob. So Jacob calls the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. Now, the most mysterious thing about this story is the identity of this night creature who comes and wrestles with Jacob. Ink has flowed through the centuries of biblical interpretation, speculating who this creature might be. Is it a night demon or an evil spirit emerging from the river alive at night but invisible by day? Is it a guardian of the ford, a troll who lives under the bridge, a more menacing version of Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life? Is it a guardian angel for Esau? Or even a bodyguard recruited from his troops to ensure that Jacob doesn't prevail a third time? Is it Esau himself, disguised, incognito, at night? Or is it an angel sent by God whose mission is to be with and to protect Jacob as God has promised to do when he commanded Jacob to return home? The narrator at first refers to this creature as a man, but if he is indeed human, he has the power to name and bless, a power he seems to lose as soon as the sun comes up. As the wrestling match proceeds into the wee hours of the morning, both the creature and Jacob speak of the creature as being a God whom Jacob sees face to face during the match. Is this creature the Holy One? Finally, it may be that in his anxiety and his fear, the creature and the wrestling match itself are figments of Jacob's imagination, characters in a dream, a struggle within a graphic nightmare. Who is this creature of the night? We don't really know for sure, but whoever the creature is, the wrestling match lasts all night long. And it seems to end in a draw, a tie. The creature doesn't really prevail over Jacob. Refuses to bless Jacob until he is ready. Refuses to give Jacob his name and injures Jacob permanently. Yet the creature cannot free himself from Jacob's grasp without putting Jacob's hip out of joint and then the creature flees as the sun goes up. 
Jacob hopes to prevail, but he never gets the creature's name, and he comes out of the match with a permanent limp, though he does secure another blessing and a change of name that marks his destiny and that of the people of Israel. In addition, this event is so significant that the people of Israel remember it and they designate a food prohibition to honor it throughout the ages. But what has always attracted my attention about this story at a deeper level than even who this creature is or who wins the wrestling match, what has always attracted my attention is the limp. The fact that in his wrestling match with God, Jacob emerges blessed but limping. Limping but blessed. Blessed and limping. You see, what I've learned over time is that nearly all of us have something in our lives about which we wrestle with God. Something over which we are already limping, or something that could tip us into a limp without much of a push required. Some things over which we limp are public. Some are private. Some are things that we have done. Some are things that have been done to us. Some are destructive and evil. Some are life-giving and beautiful. Some are things that happened long ago and have only recently assumed a role front and center in our lives. Some are things that have recently come back into our memory. Some are things we have never shared with another human being. Some are things we have never even shared with God. Sometimes when we wrestle with God, these things emerge in the course of our wrestling. Sometimes they emerge in our lives and we take them to God and wrestle with the Holy One about them. But wrestling with God... The battle can be tough. We can emerge from the match with a limp, physical or spiritual. A permanent limp, but a limp that is part of being blessed. We are left limping, a holy limp. Holy because to be blessed is to incorporate all that has been a part of our lives into our lives in a way that even the painful parts, even the sources of our limp can become sources of strength and wisdom and blessing. About the time she became United States Poet Laureate, I met Natasha Trethaway briefly at an event. This week she published a book entitled Memorial Drive, A Daughter's Memoir. It is her account of her childhood in Mississippi and Atlanta, of her parents' early divorce, 
of her mother's remarriage to a man who abused and ultimately murdered her mother when Trethaway was 18. Thirty-five years later, Trethaway writes, How could I not answer my mother's life with mine? She who saved me with hers. How could I not, bathed in the light of her wound, find my calling there? She then quotes Rumi, The wound is the place where the light enters you. In the Christian community, we see the light as the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus Christ. The wound is the place where the Spirit enters. The light of God's Spirit, God's blessing, entered Jacob during the long night of wrestling with the night creature. I am a great fan of Fiddler on the Roof. I've seen it a couple of times on Broadway, including in the 1970s when I was in seminary, when Zero Mostel revived the role of Tevia for the final time in his career. Nearly every time I've seen Fiddler, the playbill, the, the bulletin you're given as you are taken to your seat, contains some form of a rendition of a fiddler on a rooftop set against the background of a rising sun. The sun rose upon Jacob as he passed Penuel limping because of his hip. That's the way I remember Jacob whenever I think about him. A silhouette limping, but limping against a rising sun. A limp, to be sure, but a holy limp. Amen.